Peace to the planet Earth, you know what it is. Adisa Banjoko, the bishop of hip-hop in the building, how are you? Um, this is an unusual talk that I have to give. It is an uncomfortable, it is an unfun conversation that I have to have with you today. Um, but y'all know what it is, right? I mean, no, you don't know what it is, because if you don't know me, you don't know. So, uh, my name is Adisa Banjoko, they call me the bishop of hip-hop. One of the first West Coast writers for The Source, Rap Pages, a bunch of other publications you don't know about because nobody reads magazines anymore. Um, I'm a brown belt at Heroes Martial Arts in San Jose under Alan Gumby Marcus, and I am founder of the Hip Hop Chess Federation, which fuses music, chess, and martial arts to promote unity, strategy, and nonviolence. Uh, I am author of Bobby Bruce in the Bronx, The Secrets of Hip Hop Chess, available now on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback, as well as uh, within the world of jiu-jitsu, I'm the author of the Iron Hook Scroll and the Cloud Scroll, respectively. You can look them up online and, and review them on your own time. But mainly, these days, I am known as the host of Bishop Chronicles, which is a podcast about hip-hop, health, and fitness. That's on FarsideTV.com. You should be down. You can also subscribe, obviously, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, etc. I'm here to talk to you today about something very serious to me. Uh, and I'm here to talk about some very serious flaws in the aftermath of the George Floyd incident. I've seen a lot of people talking about chokeholds, the use of strangleholds, the use of jujitsu. And I've seen a lot of really credible, powerful, um, fantastic jujitsu players and MMA fighters talking about um, the unnecessary abuse of force, talking about the unnecessary death of uh, citizens who should still be alive. Um, and so I'm here to talk to you about jujitsu and the cops and what's wrong um, with it right now. Why is it, you know, in, in, in the state that it's in? And I'm going to talk about something that a lot of people aren't talking about in jujitsu and they're not talking about it because it's a secret, they're talking about it because most of them don't know it. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is not a martial art. Jiu-Jitsu is not a martial art. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu specifically is a fighting style. And a fighting style is very different than a martial art. A fighting style is different from a martial art in that a martial art has a philosophical component with structure in it. And that is not something you find in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that's why when you look at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu schools across the country and around the world, you have this issue of sometimes, you know, you've got weird cult-like Jiu-Jitsu schools. People know what I'm talking about. You've got fantastic, amazing schools that enrich the betterment of uh, their students and their community, right? 
Um, but these are all hit and miss, and it just depends on what instructor you get. But jujitsu is not a martial art. It is a fighting style. And um, another fighting style might be American wrestling, you know, folk style wrestling, right? There's not like a structured philosophy, especially one that is a commitment to nonviolence. Um, people who study other martial arts have like Kung Fu and karate. Um, a lot of them actually have a philosophical framework that they come with in, in, into the sport. And that's why when you look at all of the old school movies, right? What did Mr. Miyagi say? Miyagi said, paint fence, wax on, wax off. Why do you do that? Because you are testing the student to ensure that they have the discipline to stick with it and they have the right mindset before you teach them how to kick people in the face. That's why, what did the Cobra Kai guy say? Sweep the leg. You got a problem with that? <gasps> no, sensei. Right? A blind follower. That's not what martial arts is supposed to leave you as. It's not what martial arts is supposed to build you up to be. Why are there 36 chambers in Shaolin? Because they want to make sure before you know the highest essence of movement and effectiveness, the, the dopest techniques, the most deadly ways of being, that you are a good human being, that you have discipline, that you're not gluttonous, that you're not consumed by rage, that you're not shaken by fear. That's the difference between a martial art and a fighting style. And this is the problem that we have inside Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has no philosophy. And for people that think, oh, what's up to do just talking about this? I was saying this in 1998. Ask my good man, Eddie Goldman. What was I writing in Valet Tudo News back then? Y'all don't even know about Valet Tudo News. But I wrote then that the problem with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was that because it had no overarching philosophy, but was so effective, so lethal, right? That... What we had was a situation where America and the world was going to start creating young bulls and lions who could kill, but didn't have the knowledge and the ethical and the moral clarity to understand whether they should or not. And this is the problem. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has no ethical and moral platform to gauge not just the technique, but the level of effort needed to subdue an opponent without unnecessary harm. Helio and Carlos Gracie, they understood a lot about technique. They did not, however, have a philosophy to go with. Like the growth of their technique did not, was not in tandem with moral and ethical philosophies. And so a lot of jujitsu guys get this just from the training. Anybody will tell you that. That's one of the most beautiful things about jujitsu. I started out under Half Gracie. You can listen to my interview on Bishop Chronicles. Then I went to Charles Gracie. Then I kind of stopped on and off for years. It's just how my crazy life has been. But I've heard of many amazing jewels from Charles, from Half, uh, from Henzo, who I didn't train under, but I've had some decent exchanges with. Um, from my own instructor, Gumby, Danny Prokopos. <sighs> Come on, man. Wisdom 
It comes from the training. But again, no mm, structured philosophy exists. And this is the problem that we have today with the use of chokeholds specifically by police. And this issue of the lack of philosophy is a Western issue. It's a Western issue. Aikido, old school jiu-jitsu, etc. It came with a philosophy. It came with um, a structured framework that helped people be better morally and ethically so that when it came time to take a life, they would have the knowledge of how to do it, but they wouldn't do it because they understood not just that they didn't have to, they understood how to control the situation so that escalation didn't happen anymore. This is a problem in the West. This is America's problem with martial arts in general. Mercy is an inherent element in all grappling arts, but specifically Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Specifically in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And the role of mercy and the role that strength internal, I'll call it like spiritual or philosophical that comes from grappling is, is, is one of its most beautiful attributes. If you go back as far for my people who read the Bible, if you go back to the apocryphal text, I think you can, these are the books that were removed from the Bible during the Council of Nicaea. Look into it. Um, there is a section, I believe, it's called the Book of Hermas. And in the Book of Hermas, it says that the devil can wrestle, but cannot throw the believer of God. Push that to the left. To my Muslim extended family around the world. Prophet Muhammad was a grappler. This was known. There's a story, and anyone can look it up, about a man who was known as the best wrestler in the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. And he grappled the Prophet Muhammad. He had never been taken down. And the Prophet Muhammad took him down. And allegedly that man converted to Islam. Later, poetry and wrestling became such a big thing in that area that in Persia, they used to have this thing called the Zerkana. I always say it wrong. All my Persian folks don't hate. I'm not Persian. My linguistics. Um... These were the houses of wisdom where people would wrestle and do poetry. It's a product of self-refinement, right? Product of self-refinement. That's what jujitsu is, right? Because that mercy allows you to not harm someone. True story. Many years ago, there was a guy here in the Bay. He went to a, a, a historically black college. I forget what it was. This was a long time ago. I hope I'm getting this story right. I, I, I'm not sure about the year. I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. Not long after coming back from graduating, he gets into a fender bender, punches a guy, breaks the guy's neck and kills him and goes straight to jail. What is the issue with that? Because you cannot measure the mercy in a punch. You swing and you hope to knock them out, but you don't know what's gonna happen. How many people get punched in the face and get a broken neck? Almost none, but it's possible. There's no inherent mercy that you can measure in a punch, but anyone who does jujitsu knows, you decide whether the arm is locked out or broken. You decide whether the chokehold isolates, strangulates, 
and kills or not. That's you. You decide when you get that heal. Huh? I'm going to take that Achilles all the way off. Or, uh, uh, are we done? Or, you can do none of the above. You can't finish any opponent with a choke, arm lock, wrist lock, shoulder lock, twister, until you pin and isolate. You pin and you isolate. I used to have one of my first students who was a woman. She used to have some family problems with one of her siblings. And I told her, you know, you guys don't have to hit each other. You can just pin her, take the mount in jujitsu. It's being on top of someone. And I said, and tell them I'm not going to fight you. And just keep them pinned. They'll get exhausted and they'll quit on their own. You don't have to punch. You don't have to hit. Three weeks later, after I showed her how to maintain the mount and stay put and keep it peaceful so that she didn't expose herself or, or harm her, her family member, she comes into class. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? What happened? My sister was yelling at my mom and we got into this whole thing. And what happened? She goes, I did exactly what you said. I just tackled her. I stayed on top and I said, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to fight you. I said, what happened? She goes, get off me. I'm going to kill you. And after a while, what happened? She goes, she was just like, oh, I'm tired. Will you get off me? And I got off of her and everything was cool. That is jujitsu and nonviolence. That is the beauty of grappling. Because every situation is not life or death. And even situations that can be life or death, jujitsu can fix, de-escalate. Make it a life-giving, preserving situation. Make it a learning moment for both people. Sometimes it's just about getting the drunk uncle out of the house. He's tripping. Come here, unk, bro. Grab him. Oh! Unk, you chilling? You chilling? Oh, oh man, I'm hella tired. Okay, are we good? I just need you to respect the women, bro. You're tripping. Can you chill? Everybody that does jujitsu knows this. What I'm trying to tell you is that I just finished watching Hannah and Hiron's video about whether stranglehold should be uh, legal or not, and they're you know talking about you know vascular chokes as opposed to trachea chokes. All of that, I understand technically what you're trying to say. But if nothing that Carlos Helio or you or any other innovator, Eddie Bravo, in the space of jiu-jitsu who's innovating, right? If they haven't been giving, if the practitioner has not been given a philosophy that seeks not to kill, then it's very likely that the person who knows jiu-jitsu will kill. Look at this book. Origins of a Legend, The Real Musashi. Important book. In it, there is a thing called Shimono. Talking about old school Japanese jiu-jitsu. A component of the so-called mm, Hoshu Jitsu. I hope I said that right. I probably didn't. A compendium of seizing, holding, and binding techniques employed to arrest culprits or deal with those who were captured alive during siege warfare. What is that telling you? It's telling you that there is an inherent component of jiu-jitsu that is only about containment of an individual. Because if jiu-jitsu gives you the ability to kill, 
It also gives you the ability to not kill, to not kill. If it gives you the ability to be violent, it also empowers you through self-control and mastery of your techniques, the ability to not kill, to be violent or nonviolent, right? Coming into jujitsu, understanding this, I was already reading Confucian teachings of the Ming dynasty. Go get it right now. The art of peace. I read old Taoist scriptures like the master of Demon Valley. I'm a serious student of philosophy. I read the Dhammapada by the Buddha. Reading the different works of Al-Ghazali, one of the greatest scholars in the history of mankind from the Moorish Empire. Look into his work, seriously. Um, and so, you know, this unfortunately for the martial arts community in America has been the flaw of the West. American nationalism specifically has deliberately over time, white nationalism has scraped out all of the spiritual essence and traditional practices of Bruce Lee. So, you know, when they first meet Bruce Lee, well, yes, Sifu, you know, they're bowing, they're doing everything. As soon as they get rank, as soon as they start winning, we don't bow anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what? You just going to erase the tradition? Interesting. Right? Then, you know, Chinese masters speak out on this or that. And they'd be like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't really listen to those guys anymore. We, we know what JKD is. We, we, we've got enough. Right? Halleck Gracie, my boy, my brother, salute, Wakanda, all of that. You remember a conversation we had how many years ago? Hmm? And I was talking about the NHB gear forums. All the old school BJJ guys. Hey, 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 hey. NHB gear. Yeah, it was dope. However, there was a lot of racism on those boards. A lot of what we call alt right now was just jujitsu talk back in the day. Remember that? And you had the same dilemma where these guys came in. Uh, remember when all the all the white guys in jujitsu used to talk like Horion from the videos? My friend, uh, like this, my friend, uh, like that, my friend. What are you talking about? You're from Costa Mesa. You don't talk like that. Um, and then as soon as they got their belts as soon as they started getting theirs all of a sudden yeah these brazilian monkeys think we have to listen to them brazilian monkeys halleck you remember that conversation so how did you become brazilian monkeys you never were monkeys this is what white supremacy does inside of jujitsu you know that <sighs> abu dhabi combat club one of the greatest organizations in the history of jujitsu, period. Oh, you like EBI? Oh, that's hot. Oh, you like Polaris? Oh, you like uh, Copa de Podio and all of that? Those are all dope and I'm a salute all y'all. But guess what? Everybody in the world knows in the beginning and to this day, the best honor is to get invited by Sheikh Tanuna Abu Dhabi. Hmm? Go look it up. All of you MMA fanboys and jujitsu newcomers, ADCC. Shout out to Kid Pelegro. Shout out to Sheikh Tanun. Shout out to Guy Nevins. The people who make that happen, who cultivated that from nothing. You wouldn't have none of this stuff Eddie Bravo's doing if it wasn't for Abu Dhabi. He knows that. He's not even arguing that. 
Nobody is. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. What Henzo is able to cultivate out there? Come on, man. So my point is that, you know, you have a lot of these alt-right or openly racist people like Jeff Glover who, who go to Abu Dhabi but disrespect Islam. They go to Abu Dhabi but they disrespect African people even though they trained with under and learn from black people. Jiu-Jitsu is a universal sport. I don't care what your race is right now, but specifically if you're white, you got to understand that if you're doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu right now, it came from the original Egyptian comedic grapplers. Look it up. The Wall of Beni Hassan. Ask Eddie Bravo. He's been there. Cultivation of the Chinese and Japanese grappling arts, the Indian grappling arts. You know what I'm saying? Count Coma goes to uh, Brazil. The Gracie brothers start working on it, innovating it, right? Martial arts are international, right? But people like Jeff Glover will openly disrespect the Prophet Muhammad. They will openly disrespect Islam. They will openly disrespect black people and other white people inside. Jiu-Jitsu will be like, we still like him because he's got a good donkey guard. Nobody talks about his donkey brain and the bigotry. No one holds him accountable. But this is jujitsu today. I'm digressing. My point is, is that to ignore this philosophical hole in Brazilian jujitsu as a fighting style and not a martial art, to ignore the role and reality of how white supremacy has impacted the police who know jujitsu. And their dehumanizing mindset as police in America, when they look at African-American people and other people often, it's not something we can afford because too many people have died. Hiron and Henna Gracie, you know how I feel about you. I care about you. I got so much love and respect for you, for your father, for your grandfather, who I interviewed many years ago. Hiron was a green belt who was my translator for that. But here's the reality, gentlemen. There is no technique that you can show ever that will correct a, a police department built on racial bias and abuse. That's what it's built on. I did a podcast called Is Hip Hop Anti-Cop? All y'all should listen to it. And from that, I came up with this concept that I call the T'Challa Dilemma. The T'Challa Dilemma. I want you, all of you, to look up, there's an article on Time Magazine that shows you and talks about, and I learned about this, I talk about it on the, on the podcast, but how, you know, slavery, the end of slavery gives birth to slave patrols. And these slave patrols are the origin of the police departments in the South. And that psychology spread throughout the other police departments over time because racism was so natural to America as a whole. But in those days, the slave patrols were killing innocent free blacks because they didn't have anywhere to live. So they were kind of wandering around. What are y'all doing out here? What's, what's this? Da, da, da. Oh, what? Oh, oh, talking crazy? Lynch, rape, kill, man, woman, child. Look it up. It's still that way. And part of it is wrapped in this T'Challa dilemma. 
where they see every young black male as a superhero. So they're like, yo, they think like for real, when a cop pulls me over, I can see the fear. The first time I had a gun put in my face in my life, it was a cop, a young Asian cop. My boy made an illegal U-turn on a street that had no cars on it. There was no traffic on the street. Cop pull up, woo, pull out the gun, bow. Guns in my face, my hands are in my pocket. And he's scared of me because I'm taller, stronger, for sure. Um, he shook. And my hands are in my pockets. And I know because I have a black father who already talked to me about police. If I move, he's going to put a bullet through my eye. He's going to walk. I can see it. I had to talk him down. I'm like, why did you pull a gun on me? You didn't listen to me. <laughs> I have broken no laws and I have no weapon and I haven't spoken hostile to you. What's, what are you doing? And I talked him down from shooting me. That is what happens to you when you're black in America dealing with police. You have to deescalate them. Because they're sure that you're going to pick that car up, bat them across the street with it, jump up and hop from building to building till you get home. And talk with your uh, terrorist friends about what a great job you did. The T'Challa dilemma. This is how. It works. They think we're superheroes. I knew a black woman who told me she dated a white guy who didn't go pro in football. And he said the reason he didn't go pro in football is because black guys have an extra hamstring. That's the psychology of the cops. Same mentality was like, yo, I didn't go pro because, you know, what I'm saying um, black dudes have an extra hamstring so they can and break out. A lot of these white dudes think like that. Especially these out of shape fat dudes who be getting out the car. Man, what's going on over here? Jethro, you know what it is, boy. Hand to hand, man to man. You ain't ready. Right? And they know that. And they're scared. And they're ignorant. So this is what happens. Oscar Grant got shot in his back while cuffed because of the T'Challa dilemma. They'll shoot you in your back cuffed before you get away. He's going to snap the cuffs, hop over the third rail, dance on it maybe, do a Michael Jackson move, and then take off. I can't have that. Boop. Trayvon Martin, Skittles, Snapple. Nah, partner. You wearing a hoodie. You must be up to no good. And I'm not even a cop. But I keep the T'Challa dilemma in my heart and in my head. So I got to treat you like this. Civilians don't know how to tap. Think about that. Hannah and Hiron. Civilians don't know how to tap. And the cops are so wound. Once they apply the choke. I'm not even sure they can feel the tap. I'm not even sure they would trust the tap. They're trying to kill. And they do. It's not about the technique. These cops don't believe that they can afford to make a mistake against Black Panther. There's no technique you can give that will be a substitute for a philosophy that humanizes and a tradition that shifts from submissions to pinning and isolating with technical clarity.
Nothing better. There's nothing better that you can do for jujitsu than that. And that's my message, not just to hit on Henner, but to all teachers of Brazilian jiu-jitsu who deal with police departments. White supremacy is real. All of you who teach the police, you better learn white supremacy is real. And it's not a neo-Nazi punching a black woman on a bus. It's not a Klansman trying to like assault a Jewish person on the way home. It's a whole system outlined by Neely Fuller Jr. Look into it. It deals with economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, sex, war, and counter-war. That's the definition that Neely Fuller Jr. gave us. And less than until you acknowledge the reality of white supremacy, no technique you give the police will change how they murder my people, will change how my son is at risk when he gets pulled over, can remove the fear of a black parent every time their son leaves because they know that the T'Challa dilemma can make it so their son is killed without warning, without provocation. Where is the ethical system to fix that inside the police department? That's needed more than any technique any of you can teach to the instructors. Until there is an ethical system in the department that changes the idea of who the police see black people as, until that, like the, the warping of who black people are warps the conduct of the police. And that warping of the conduct of the police has become the standard through which they live. And they've lived it for so long now when you speak against that kind of activity, they think you're hating on the idea of law enforcement itself, and that is not the issue. No one's arguing that there shouldn't be cops at all. We're arguing that this way of policing is not only antiquated, it is fundamentally flawed in a lie rooted in white supremacy. We have to go back to the idea in this book. The Shimono-like approach, where rather than arguing whether or not we should have chokeholds, we should teach police to exhaust positional and joint-based control. Exhaust the pinning and joint manipulation to achieve compliance. That, I guarantee you, will lower not only the risk of the officers being hurt, but it'll, 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 it'll change vastly the number of chokehold deaths. It'll also change the number of shootings. Because you see these overweight undereducated, no cardio cops, completely embedded with the T'Challa dilemma, hand on the gun, 
what's going on, tasing, beating, shooting, black men, women, children, no regard, no understanding. And it's not their knowledge of jujitsu that's failing them. It's their, it's their lack of understanding of who black people are and have been. It's their lack of understanding of our intrinsic value as human beings. Jiu-Jitsu can't give it to them. So I say, from a place of friendship, from a place of love, from a place of trying to find an authentic solution, that Hiran or Henner, if you want to talk to me about this in a public forum, online, we can do it. I'm not a hater of cops. I'm not a hater of police departments. I do hate injustice. I do hate unnecessary death of anyone, but especially my people, obviously my people. People say, oh, Deez, sometimes you sound like you're too emotional. Well, the murder of my people affects me like that. Call me crazy. I encourage you to look up videos like the 13th on Netflix when they see us. Who killed Malcolm X? Bastards of the party. Look up Bastards of the Party, specifically if you live in LA. And look up the Larry Davis story. And read the book, Lest We Forget White Hate Crimes by Alfonso Pinckney on Third World Press. I ask you and hope that you listen to Bishop Chronicles, is hip-hop anti-cop? Listen to what I say, speaking to white America about how we heal after the George Floyd uprisings. And I think that you will find that jiu-jitsu needs more than new techniques. Remember Sun Tzu. Remember Niccolo Machiavelli. Remember that supreme strategies can conquer the need for violence if they're authentically sought. I want to give a shout out in closing to Jizza and Rizza from Wu-Tang, Rocker from Dilated, my brother Stickman from Dead Prez. I want to thank you for listening. I want you to share this with people you know in law enforcement. I want to thank all the good cops for being good cops. But you know what else I want? I want more good cops in positions of power. And I want more good cops to stand up against the hatred, bigotry, and murder and unnecessary profiling that they see. So you can be the cop you were born to be. Don't let these dudes bully you. Don't let them box you out. I know it's not fun. And I know it's not fair. But until you step up and do more, I'm still at risk. My sons and my daughters are still at risk. I thank you for listening. I hope you understand and receive it in the spirit in which it was written, which it was spoken. This kept me up for several days. Much respect. Bishop Chronicles, FarsideTV.com.
Let's do better. Let's 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 get a better tomorrow going. America needs you all. Us, we. Teacher, what style is that? Don't think. 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 Don't think.